0: Click on how to join and fill out the form. Their team will get back to you ASAP and help you start building a healthier, happier,
1: step louder Seahawks game. The skyline is etched in my veins. You can never put that out, no matter how hard it rains my city. Welcome to the
2: Wednesday
1: edition of RealHawks Talk. I am Brian and we are here tonight to preview the seahawks matchup against the arizona cardinals in seattle at what time we are not yet sure because we are waiting on the events of a baseball game which we'll 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 touch on a little bit and uh we have some awesome opportunity to not just talk to our normal amazing crew but actually Talk to someone who is at the game this weekend and hear a little bit about what the surrounding atmosphere was like there's also some seahawks news as there often is to go through and we're going to start by bringing in a man who's been a little bit under the weather and uh, been sporadically available to us so we're happy to have him back on at least i am uh his name's evan hill at evan hill hb on twitter evan good to see you dude good to see you
3: brother excited to be back finally healthy again excited to torment everybody here that's listening i'm just grateful
1: to be back (laughs) sweet cool and also we have dana O'Gorman at dana og on twitter dana you were actually in new orleans this weekend correct i was it it is such a good time if you i know there's a lot of people
4: who are afraid to go to away games But if you can go to a game in New Orleans, even if it is not a Seahawks game, it is so worth it. That is the most fun fan base out there. They are such a blast. They do not care who you cheer for as long as you have a cocktail in your hand and you dance when the songs come on like they don't care. It's so much fun. I have never had a Unkind words said to me at one of those games. People are just happy you're in their city. Um, and New Orleans, the city itself is amazing. So it's such a great trip. I I encourage everyone to do it. And the game, I don't know how it looked on TV, but in person, it was a blast. It was so back and forth and such a good time. We had we had so much fun.
3: So I do have one question for you guys as yeah. an outsider to New Orleans. Does it smell like everybody says it does?
4: Bourbon Street smells.
3: Okay. So is it just the rest like a- of the city? Okay, so it's just like a particular block or two that is like, I don't know.
4: Bourbon Street's about ten blocks long. Oh, that it's longer. that long? Yeah,
3: Holy crap. it's a
0: long
4: street. But yeah, but no, that a, does gets it a little depends a little
1: bit on when and what time of year and a bunch of other factors. I mean, when the I was point. there last time, or the only time was over Halloween, mm-hmm. and so sure, like when the, the streets are full and things go crazy, then yes, there's. There's like city odor, I would call it um, <laughs> but i did I do not walk away from New Orleans like remembering a smell that was not my God. my memory of New Orleans was amazing food, amazing people, amazing music, um amazing artwork, like there's really some awesome artwork, uh super walkable um part of the reason it was awful with a flood was it's so flat but like it's super walkable there's actually an amazing I think it's a World War II museum um that's like (laughs) really really cool where you pick up the name of a soldier a real person and you follow that person through their whole World War II experience from start to end and I don't know I I think it's like and then open container I mean you're able to just walk around and Pre-game for the you like you pre-game wherever you want, and then you're walking to the stadium, and there's bars on the street, and you get another drink on the way there. And I just yeah, I loved it, loved it, loved it. Yeah, yeah,
4: it's it. definitely the, the history. I'm a big history nerd too, and the history of the city is just so amazing. And and it the, the it's really the people though; they are so fantastic. I I just encourage everyone just go. And when you go, go past Bourbon Street, go out into the city. It is amazing.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, someone in chat is already asking what's my favorite amazing New Orleans music. I couldn't tell you uh, and there's there's a street that's not Bourbon Street. That's actually, for my money, the better street. I can't remember what it's called Canal Street, I think, Um, and it's got just it's lined with you know jazz clubs and like other kinds of music. And uh, there was like a processional that night that was just a bunch of like jazz band stuff through the streets like it's just fun. Like, it's fun. Right. Yeah, so. The the
4: Seahawkers there put on, a, it's called a second line parade. And that's where you get the band in the front, the people with parasols, and you walk through the streets. And so there was a good 75 to 100 Seahawks fans that just did this professional dance, like whole thing through all of the French Quarter. And people were clapping and cheering and telling us good luck. It was just, it's, it's a blast. You guys just need to go. 100%
1: while we were uh dana and i were just uh gushing over how fun new orleans is we were joined by our fourth member of the crew tonight uh nathan ernst at nathan e11 glad you could make it man how are you
2: yeah pretty good the show can start now so uh dana restart your story tell it all over again please i missed it
1: (laughs) you actually would be shocked to know what dana did in new orleans uh, did the she of us know but but mm-hmm. you don't oh my god i turned I, so. I
2: turned
3: red in the face on the on the on the pod just redder like. than that time
2: that dana had a really bad sunburn or <laughs>
1: fair. it's fair it's fair uh all right well let's um let's talk a little seahawks football there uh, i think we should start by looking back a little bit at this past game and since we haven't had this crew together, we can also just kind of catch up on where the team is and how people are feeling about things. But um, Dana, since you were at this game and you were talking about how fun it was, like mm-hmm. what was, what was your takeaway watching that game? What stood out to you um, and, and what was like the conversation of people that were in the crowd, both, both Saints and Seahawks fans?
4: The conversation was Geno Smith. I mean that everyone just kept talking about Geno and how well he was playing and what they were doing and, and how impressed, Um, the Seahawks fans and the Saints fans with um, the rookie lineman. I mean, I had a whole conversation with this gentleman. He was a Saints fan. It was all about Charles Cross. And like, he was just obsessed with him. And he just loved everything about him. And, and Saints fans are very knowledgeable fans, but they love the whole league. And, and so it was just really fun, but I will tell you, it was the back and forth. And the one second, they're so excited and they're doing their little dances that they all do in the, in the stadium. And then the next minute DK would get a touchdown and they'd be like, oh, and they would, but they were laughing the whole time. It was, I think it was, I need to rewatch it on TV because in the stadium, you could just feel the momentum shifts every you know, five or so minutes back and forth. Um, and it was just, it was an enjoyable game to watch. There wasn't a lot of downtime in this game. Um, but really it was, I think I expected, and I think I said this last week, I expected Seattle to go in there and do well. I thought it'd be a higher scoring game than you guys did. I remember that, but, um, I, I think to the extent that the scoring went on, I think everyone was excited, including Saints fans. I don't think they th- thought they were going to get that out of their offense either. So it was great.
1: Yeah, I was trying to remember that when they last played in New Orleans, and I thought 2014, but it was actually 2015. I remember that game. That game. I, I, rem- say, I remember Jermaine Curse was targeted. That's when Earl
4: Thomas hugged the ref are the official.
3: I remember being very angry that Russell didn't target Jimmy Graham in the end zone in some final play or something like that. That yeah. It's trauma.
1: It's a good memory, dude. There was 4th and 2 at the New Orleans 10-yard line. Oh, I remember bitching about that one for a while. And he threw it to Jermaine Curtis. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was the game that Earl Thomas uh like got a fumble and got a flag for hugging the ref.
4: mm mm-hmm, Mhm. Yep
1: um it's hilarious
4: i was at that game it was so much fun
1: you were at that one too
4: yeah yeah because it was the 30th of october so we stayed through halloween oh my god
1: yeah it was great yeah yeah in some ways the games were similar they were like back and forth and like some really boneheaded things and like weird stuff uh evan it's been so long i'm really curious like where is your head at on what's going on with this team yeah, it's just it's just so
3: funny because I was looking back at our prediction show. I actually went back and watched it just uh, just five weeks in through the season, and it's just this team is so different than what we I think expected. Um, obviously, there was a a, a Geno crowd that uh, you know believed he was better than average, but the, I, I I don't remember a single person you know telling me that Geno Smith was gonna be like a top three quarterback in the NFL <laughs> through five weeks. <laughs> Nobody. So, so this is pretty crazy. Um, I really don't know how to feel right now. This defense is, uh, extremely irritating, but, but then you have a high powered offense and, and Tyler Lockett playing so well, DK Metcalf playing so well, the rookie tackles playing so well. Um, you've got Will Disley playing really well. It's just, it, I feel confused because it's like, Everything I've been kind of talking about in our conversations is building for the future, laying the foundation down for eventually contending. And then it's like this team is they're playing like they're in a win now sort of mode. And I guess the whole element of Geno and that wild card around the quarterback position confuses me in terms of what they need to do in the future, because it's like. Do we end up having a conversation at the end of the year where it's like, are we paying Geno Smith $25 million a year? Are we tagging him?
2: Are oh, we buddy, we're already him? having that conversation. We're going,
3: we're going to talk about that. <laughs> I, I, I just
1: I, I just, haven't just, heard your perspectives on it. We need to talk about it.
3: I just can't believe we're even going to have to entertain that conversation. It's a good problem to have. Um, but it's just, it's just very weird. I'm confused.
2: I don't know why people keep saying it's weird. I mean, it's just another year where Pete Carroll is wasting a Super Bowl caliber offense. So, <laughs> it's, this should be part and parcel for any Seahawk fan. Nathan, your uh, take yeah.
3: around g- trading Geno, or even just throwing it out there as an option on Twitter, cracked me up. I, I have to take to this on
1: that. a quick tangent. It, it it annoys me quite a bit, Evan, that like you said, you looked at the prediction stuff, and yeah. and I just pulled up the spreadsheet. I think you were looking at it because you knew that you were going to be right about Rashad Penny's rushing yards. Now that he's hurt, like he's got like 350 yards or something. You guessed 400 because you thought he was going to be injured. I did. You are a bastard. You are like a hexer.
3: I am not celebrating Rashad Penny's injury, but I will say this around the unfortunate (laughs) context of this opportunity. I really, really hope Kenneth Walker takes advantage of this genuinely. Like, I know I, we didn't like the I didn't like to pick whatever, but let's not wait. If we're going to select a running back high, let's pray to God that he doesn't take till year four to d- develop and show signs of life.
1: Well, let's hope you're right on both predictions because Kenneth Walker, you predicted 1200 yards rushing. So What's he at right have now? To giddy up if he's going to get that this year, but what's he at? Uh, Probably
3: like 150 right now? You no, know, yeah, like- 146 yeah we had
1: 70 yards on one run last week so Uh that that'll Uh do it so he's got about
3: a thousand to go (laughs) okay yeah i mean this Uh, offense is so high powered it's like not crazy
2: yeah it's a legitimately good running offense and that is not setting the low low bar that most people set for a running offense it uh it is better than most teams passing offense so far this year it's that's crazy impressive
1: yeah, I tweeted out something. I know that yards per rush is like not a favored stat at this point anymore, but like we've st- talked so much about Geno, We haven't, I think most fans have not talked about the running game. The Seahawks are number one in the NFL in yards per rush. The Seahawks are number one in the NFL in 30 yard runs. They're number one in the NFL in 30 yard plus plays overall. Yeah. Like, and, and it's, the thing the thing with the Gino thing that I think just keeps evolving is it started as he's a game manager, he's he's gonna he's gonna he's a stopgap, he's gonna get us through this year to a young player and like no chance. Like that was at best, mm-hmm. right? Drew Locke, like we were talking about that plenty, right? Then it was okay, well, he had a great half, but then he got figured out in the second half. Maybe he's just like he flashed, he got us that one win, that was great. Zero points against San Francisco. Like, oh, he's a dink and dunk guy. That was the story. And then against Atlanta, he started throwing like intermediate and deeper passes and was putting up and then it was like, well, but he can't finish because against Atlanta, he didn't finish and, you know, he hadn't finished yet. And then against Detroit, he like, he scored touchdowns over and over and over again in the fourth quarter. Evan, I'm not going to say that he finished over and over again. I know that's what you wanted me to say, but I'm not going to say it. And, and, and then it was like, okay, well, like. He's throwing all these explosive passes. He didn't actually have a high completion rate against uh, New Orleans. It was a reasonable one wasn't super high, but he still was able to be productive because he had so many huge plays. I mean, he had like six plays over 30 yards in that game for the Seahawks. The most in the entire NFL for the full season is 12 Seahawks got half that amount in one game. So like I think the thing that's left in my head for Gino to tick off is two things. One is, su- you know, sustain. Like he's got to do it over time. And maybe it's three things. Two, it's, it's, it's that he's got to actually beat a really good quarterback, like out-duel a really good quarterback in the moment. And three, it's that he's... Got to do it against a, a great defense. I think the New Orleans defense is a top ten defense, so I don't think it's a bad one. But I think those are the three things that, like, if he does all those things, then like, what's left?
2: Did we not already check off the outdo a really good quarterback one week one? <laughs> huh? Hmm? Uh,
1: did he though?
2: No, Russ. Russ is trash now. It's it's sad.
1: Well, I'm not even joking about the Russ part. I think Gino absolutely outdoled him in the first half. Russ had a better game overall than Gino in that one. I would say
2: would you week one we didn't get the dub
1: <laughs>
2: no, I don't think it that. was
3: I don't think it was that much I think it was closer I, than you, probably I, it was yeah, close. I, yeah yeah yeah
1: yeah I just look at zero points in the second half it's hard for me to say he out him but yes in any event like Nathan season ends tomorrow let's say that this is the level of play that Gino sustained he's checked those boxes essentially let's say the Seahawks win seven or eight games. All right. Something like that. Um, what do you want them to do next year? Like what, what, like what would make you upset if they didn't do next year?
2: So you're saying he maintains this level of play and yes. they win seven or eight games. Yes. If he ends the season as a legitimate MVP candidate, I, you have to bring him back. You have to invest in, like, you, you can't, we I, we were joking with Evan in the – or I was in the group chat, you know. Uh, an all-pro quarterback is an all-pro quarterback, but Bryce Young could be anything. It could even be an all-pro quarterback. Like, <laughs> I know he's 32. I know it's different. There's, like, context and everything. But, like, yeah, if you're telling me he ends the season, like, as one of the top three quarterbacks in the league, I, I don't know how you don't just roll the dice there. Because, I mean, yeah. He's older, rookie, contract, all that stuff. But, like, you're rolling the dice with one of those rookie quarterbacks, too. Like, those aren't true things by any chance. And, you know, if you win seven or eight games, the Broncos are probably going to win at least six games. So, you're not – you don't have a top three pick. You're not – you're going to have to trade a ton to get up to get one of those, you know, the number one or number two guy if that's who you want. So, yeah, I think – I think if the season ends today and everything just kind of goes the way it's going. I think you drop a, you, you hope he takes the Tannehill contract and you just, you just, you're super happy that you found the next Kurt Warner.
1: Uh, Dana, you've been part of this conversation already. Um, And I'm curious, like we've talked about this and whether there's, you know, how we felt about drafting a quarterback next year. Uh versus two defensive, you know, players with those top two picks. How are you feeling? Like Nathan's advocating for a Tannehill contract for by what, for what it's worth, that's four years, one hundred and twenty million dollars. With did you actually Nathan ninety one million? (laughs) The, The
2: hypothetical is everything that's happening so far continues to happen. So he ends the the year playing as well as he plays. They win seven games or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I think at that point, you hope he takes the Tannehill contract. Okay, we'll come back. Dana to looks extremely then. annoyed. Extremely annoyed. Yeah, I want to hear. Oh, that I'm what not annoyed at all. It was oh, okay. funny.
4: No, I was watching Evan's face. He's like, "My mm, call bullshit," is what he was still <laughs> Yeah.
3: <laughs> My brain is just struggling to process this reality, still, guys. Right. So yeah.
1: well, we're gonna right. co- process because I'm gonna come to you in a second on this again. So, so. Dana, yeah, what, what, right now, like same scenario. Do you, where do you want the Seahawks spending those first two picks?
4: Um, I was pretty adamant. I think the last couple of times we've talked about this, that I wanted a quarterback. That I really wanted. That I thought that this class wasn't one that you could just you know ignore. And that I thought that that was really important. I also, much like everyone else, keep waiting for the bottom to drop out of Gino, right? Like we keep we keep explaining, expecting every single week for him to do something to prove us right right of everything that people thought at the beginning of the season it's not happening and he just looks better every game right and he just looks settled and in command my only issue my only issue is capitalizing on the rookie contracts of the tackles of the cornerbacks and of a quarterback and having all of those rookie contracts at the same time. You ex- extend Gino you know, a couple of years, you keep him around for, let's say, two more years. That just eats into that kind of, you know, the, the space you have um, cap wise um, with all those rookie contracts. But if he continues to play this way, I think it would be asinine to waste those picks on a quarterback when you have those defensive picks there now. And you guys know, I love defense. So if Gino continues this, I don't even think he has to be top three. I think if he's a top five, maybe, you know, quarterback, I think as long as he's right in that group, I think you have to hold on to him. I think, I think that it would be stupid to not waste to waste that, you know, with, the, with the, those defensive picks are going, because you know the Texans are going after quarterback. You know that, you know, all these other teams are going to end up with those quarterbacks. So why not go after those defensive players?
1: Interesting, interesting. As the world turns, as the world turns with those picks, I didn't realize that two other teams also had two first-round picks. Detroit has mm-hmm. two first-round picks. One, of the, one of the Rams that picks, I, I think, and then the Giants, the, isn't it? The, giants or is it houston or someone else i'll have to look back but i know i saw another team has has two first round picks and they're all pretty high up so can i pose a hypothetical yeah please
3: so we were just talking about gino you know sustaining this play all year long okay let's see let's say he's top three ranked quarterback end of the season what does he command in a trade
2: Well, you can't trade him at the end of the season
1: he's not signed anything could you tag it? i didn't think about that
2: can you uh, you can trade a tagged player, right? But yeah, yes. the the cap implications now are going to severely cut into his.
1: Oh, mm-hmm. man. I hate. <sighs> no, no this, you're, you're acting like this is a problem, Evan. This is not a problem. No, this is like, a good problem. This it's is a good, good this problem. Is a, it's not a pro- I would not classify it in any way as a problem. Franchises I... go decades trying to find a quarterback that is worthy of being considered as a franchise quarterback. It is not how you win a Super Bowl. Whoa! Why? It's not how you win a Super why? Bowl. That's because ha- his name's Geno Smith. That's not because, like, it, show me a player that's playing like Gino is right now, that with a top fifteen defense is not a Super Bowl contending team.
2: This team's like four and one if they have a top twenty five defense.
1: Exactly. Easily. Mm-hmm.
0: It's
2: true.
4: Like, what I about think- this? Oh. No. What if you do both? What if you yes. gave, keep
3: Gino yes. and get a quarterback? Yes. And yeah, see what the hell happens. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. That's, but you have to draft a quarterback. You have
2: to. That's the coward's approach, though, to split the strategy. No, it is not. Oh. Yes, it is. No, yes, it is not. You sit
3: that freaking rookie behind that qualified veteran in Gino Smith, and you let him sit for a year or two, and he comes out looking like a Patrick mm-hmm. Mahomes.
2: First Of you, all you're gonna, you're gonna, you're mm-hmm. gonna piss off Gino. Second of all, what if Gino keeps playing like a MVP or all pro type uh, quarterback and now you spent a high pick on someone that's sitting on the bench that you're either gonna piss off fans or alienate the locker room if you ever make the switch? You, yeah, maybe you keep that value somewhere down the line, but if Gino is playing like this, you are in a Super Bowl window. So like use Wait. those picks for players that help Gino. So, and, and the other thing is if you're going to draft a quarterback, don't pay Gino 30 million a year, get the advantage of a rookie quarterback contract.
4: Okay. But I didn't say a high pick.
2: I oh, don't sure. sure. I mean, they, yeah, you can they take find someone that's year. lower yeah. down. Right. Yeah. yeah. Sure, sure,
4: sure. So why not? You know, so you don't have to completely ignore the quarterback position. If there's a guy you like that you can get maybe in the second round or what have you or you get your great defensive pick with the first one. And then the second one, let's say somehow Seattle's pick is, you know, down in like 20 at 20 and you pick up a guy there. I think that that's always an option. I I, I didn't mean waste your first round pick, you know, the very top one on that. I just mean you can hedge your bet there and still get kind of the benefit out of both.
1: this, this is a coward or not huge, <laughs> huge. Like it has the potential to just be a massive strategic decision to make. And Nathan, I think, is nailing what the tension is, which is, like, it's a no-brainer that when you have a quarterback playing at Geno's level at his age, which is two years younger than Russell, um, that you sign him. If if his name was Russell Wilson and he was this age, he was in the last year contract, there would be no – we would not be having any conversations about, like, do you sign him? Like, that would be, like, ridiculous, right? So, of course, like – and one of the benefits is – Evan's face right now everyone look at Evan's face (laughs) that is the face of every NFL executive and uh, and every fan when they hear Geno Smith they're like "Eh," like uh, they might see it and they might think yeah he's playing really well but then when it comes to actually signing the dotted line to give him a big contract to have a press conference where you stand in front of your parents (laughs) your ownership your fan base and you said yes I am betting my job on Geno Smith there is no way that that's no, like a non-factor going into this offseason. There are going to be, I would say the vast majority of franchises will be super dumb about it and be like, I will not give him big money, which is great news for the Seahawks. And because they can control him with the franchise tag, my perspective is franchise tag is your default expectation. It's one year you've got cap space to burn next year. Like you have a ton of cap space next year and then i try to actually sign him to a 2 to 3 year deal where his guaranteed money is more than the the franchise the one year franchise so you spread it out you get a 2 to 3 year thing so you're not hooked into him for 5 10 years whatever it would be and you have a young quarterback like i think that would be ideal
2: the does ch- gino does gino want that though don't know if you, so if you're lowballing him and threatening him with the franchise tag like gino i mean gino has a ton of pride like that's extremely obvious at this point so like does gino just say fuck you yeah tag me i'll play my 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 i'll go out of my mind play amazing try to win an mvp in this another year and then i'll go get somewhere i'll go somewhere where i'm wanted and start right and and goodbye
3: so brian i disagree with you on one thing Okay. And I want to make sure I heard you correctly. I think if Gino pl- continues to play as well as he does, I think you severely underestimate the type of cash teams would throw at him in in free agency. I mean and there you, are
2: there just, are teams, yeah.
3: Nick Foles, 88 million dollars, Carson Wentz, 128 million dollars, Jared Goff, like teams are out here paying scrubs. And Gino's Gino Smith is p- playing better than all those play-
1: players. Those guys all have Less dirt under their their name oh. tags than Geno Smith. Geno Smith has been labeled as a terrible quarterback. He is a bust. He is barely a backup. That is who Geno Smith is in the NFL. And yes, he's remaking that name. You don't do that
2: overnight. But I, he I, was a, a second round pick. I mean, he was a highly regarded high prospect.
1: Out of so was Drew Locke, right? Like he was a first round pick.
2: You think jude and look lock at and like, schneider just made a total ass of himself talking about how excited he was for jude lock <laughs> I,
1: I know and i think the seahawks are trying to like make him sound better than he is anyway i like <laughs> i don't know we won't know that till the end of the year but to the, the point i was trying to get to a little bit is to nathan's point even if you do exactly get exactly what i'm talking about let's say that you get him to a two to three year deal that has a guaranteed of like 50 million bucks or something like that right um you still have the issue of you're spending a fair amount of money on the quarterback position. It's not top, top, top dollar, but you're not getting the benefit of a rookie deal. And that's a huge, huge advantage. So, like to some extent, you are taking away the benefit of that. I don't agree with Nathan about the whole like gonna alienate things like Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes. Like there's line after line after line of quarterbacks that have been drafted, waited a year, come in and and been great, and it hasn't been that big of a deal. So, I don't think that's huge, but this defense sucks, guys. It's so bad. And to like, there's potentially, like, there's potentially because there's so many quarterbacks, I think you're going to see a lot of good defensive players slide down and you're going to pass them up. Like, there's a chance where you could turn this defense around with two picks. You absolutely could turn this defense around with two picks. And you're going to you're going to just stare that in the face and say, like, no, like, we just don't believe in Gino.
2: I love how you're pained doing. Evan is. <laughs> I, going I, right okay, I got
3: I got a question. I got a question. Sorry. Sorry to derail this conversation. Gino continues to play at this level. Yes. At the end of the year. What is the max number? Let's let's kind of forget about guaranteed money for a second. Max APY number you would give him over three years. So three years, what? What are you max comfortable with? Considering Kyler Murray just got $49.4 million a year.
2: Yeah, I mean, I was gonna say 40 million seems crazy, but like with what quarterbacks get, I don't think 40 million is crazy.
3: Like, like I wanna I want you on the record, Nathan. Are you comfortable giving Geno Smith three years $120 million?
2: Oh, yeah, that's the Tannehill contract, huh? We already talked about this. Wait, no, Tannehill's four years, 120? Four years, 120 million with that's 30 90,
1: a 91 million guaranteed. Okay.
2: Boy, yeah, I really want to give him, oh, I don't actually even know. I mean,
3: three years, 120 million, 90 million guaranteed. He's. Yes or no, Nathan? <laughs> Are you comfortable? I want. You know, I want to Dana, know the Dana line. Dana hasn't
2: said anything in a while. Let's let her talk. I want to know first. the line.
3: I want you on the record. Put your money. Put the Seahawks' money where your mouth is.
2: He's playing at like he's legitimately playing at an MVP. Level.
3: I know. So what's the number? What are we yeah. comfortable at?
2: Three years, one hundred twenty million. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Dana,
4: I'd give him thirty-two a
3: year. 32 a year. And I okay. think he
4: would take it, to be honest with you. I think he would take it. And the only reason is because he already knows that he excels in this offense. And Brian? so it, it's, it's more about his legacy for me, I think.
1: Yeah, I'm looking at a couple different contracts here. I'm, I'm going to answer you, so just calm down. It, it, it's a Marcus <laughs> Mariota, who just signed this year with the Falcons, right? He's he's a few years younger than Gino and has certainly has not played to this level. He signed. His total value is – it's – 20 million bucks it's 10 million a year 6.8 million guaranteed Jameis winston has a total contract value of 28 million he's been a starter for multiple years in the league his average is 14 million a year total guarantees 21 million uh matt ryan 37 years old has a 150 million dollar contract 30 million a year 100 million guaranteed I think you could probably look at Kirk cousins, who's 34. He has a $35 million, you know, contract. Uh, I guess it's just a year left on that. And and that's what's guaranteed. Look, I'll go back to exactly what I said before. Like I, I want to find out for sure what the franchise tag is. Cause over the cap has the franchise tag at like the exclusive franchise tag at like 30 something million, but there was a tweet I saw where the, that the 2023 exclusive franchise tag is 45 million. That's a huge difference. In any event, I am, I am comfortable giving Geno 10 to $20 million over whatever the franchise tag guarantee is and guaranteed dollars for three years. So that's, that's not per year. That's the total guaranteed value. So divide that by three. I see. And so I think you're pretty much deciding him to a two year deal with likely a third year. That would be something you could get out of without having it destroy your cap. That's that's the line I would try to draw. And honestly, I think that would be wise for Gino to take. He does it as much as he's confident, as much as his agent is. If he could get generational money for multiple years and be over the franchise tag. All you care about as an NFL player is walking away with something in your in your back pocket
2: but if he walks into your office and say says i want because Dak prescott like you said or i don't know if you talked about prescott but prescott was four years 160 million stafford four years 160 million so that's 40 million apy if he says i want that contract but i'll do it for three years so i want three years 120 million or i walk or you have to tag me do you say okay we'll tag you or do you sign it like that, it's not a I, – I know we'd love to negotiate. Like obviously, if he could get the Tannehill or if he get the Winston deal, you you'd do it, right? But like, if he says this is it, you give me three years, one hundred and twenty million, or I'm out.
1: Remind me what they did with the franchise tag rules in terms of how many times you could re up um, somebody on the franchise know. tag.
2: It's at least three two.
1: I,
4: I think it's twice. I think it's two, isn't
1: it? It's at least two. I don't. So like to me, it's a no-brainer. I sign in the franchise tag and I move on. Like I and like that forces him to the table. I do not let. I do not the the, the thing that's just absolutely clear to me is you. You do not let him walk. You do not let a player of this playing at this level walk. You can't at the most important position. Like I would say, there is a ninety percent chance plus that you will never get. In the next five years, a quarterback that will play at a similar level. Like, that's the most likely scenario. If you even you go into the draft, you have to hope. But, like, how many of those young quarterbacks just bust? Trey Lance. Anyone want Trey Lance instead of Geno Smith? If they offered you a trade tomorrow, Evan, Trey Lance for Geno Smith.
3: Of course not.
1: What about Justin Fields? Justin Fields for Geno Smith? No, no. I don't know if I, I personally, I, like I haven't looked at Trevor Lawrence really closely. Or, yeah, I don't know <laughs> that I would take Trevor Lawrence over Gino Smith, but would you That's take the number right. one overall pick next year for Geno Smith? I take the, if someone offered me the number one, overall or a pick, top five pick. Yeah. I don't think I would. Oh,
0: holy the, shit.
1: Part, Are you serious? I, I don't know. Like part of the, part of the reason that I like the idea of drafting a quarterback in this draft is because I like the idea of having Gino, and a top young quarterback that you can then flip in a year or two for likely multiple first round picks.
2: God, I, I hope you're going to be able to were... tra-
1: trade Geno for that. But you, if you stick with Gino and you have a young quarterback behind him, I think you can turn that into multiple first round picks.
2: God, I hope Gino continues to be good because this is this might be it. This might be the one that ends real hot talk. <laughs> like, we will never <laughs> live this shit down if 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 Gino goes back to being Gino by the end of the year. I'm
1: just, I mean, this is all, all of this is with the assumption that he says, I don't know. Like we should have that conversation next. Like I, I I do want to talk about the defense a little and and Dana, I want to make sure we're we're all very chatty, but imagine (laughs) us having this conversation
3: five weeks ago, just, just imagine projecting in the future, this conversation we'd be having right now, five weeks
1: ago. It's insane. I said that
4: exact thing yesterday. It's just exact thing.
1: It's insane. Dana, if you had to bet your house. You had to bet like your house on whether Geno Smith is going to be in this same level. It doesn't have to be exactly like top three, but like, let's say like, let's say he's going to finish the year as a top seven quarterback in the NFL. Would you bet your house that he is going to do that or that he's not going to do that? He's going to fall off.
4: Do I get to include injury in that (laughs) for the fall? Because that's just it. I don't know.
1: Yeah. You take that out of the picture. This is like while he's on the can't get hurt. He can't get hurt. Um,
4: you know, with the rest of the schedule that the Seahawks have, I I think he's got a pretty good chance of doing well. Maybe not top three. I would say I would bet my house on maybe top seven.
1: Okay. Evan.
0: Maybe. Oh, damn. I don't
1: know. What was the question? Would <laughs> you bet, like, if you, you had to bet your house, you had no choice, but you had to bet it. Yeah. And you had to bet it on whether he's, Gino's going to finish the year by essentially sustaining this level of play and being like a top seven quarterback, let's say. a little, Maybe he falls a little bit, but still, like, clearly one of the best in the NFL this season. Would you bet that it's going to happen or bet that, it's, that he's going to fade out and kind of return to... Gino the backup I think he probably continues it that's what you're having trouble with Nathan are you in the same place what's your what's your instinct on this
2: bet my house that he's a top five quarterback seven top seven yes we gave you a little bit of leeway yeah I think so I don't think, I don't know that top, the the thing that gives me pause is like, why am I not hesitating more about that? Like it, it, yeah, I, I don't have a lot of doubt about that.
1: That's the, like, what about the way he's playing folks feels unsustainable? What about the way, what he's doing feels like fluky? That's the
3: thing. It's not, it's the, when you look at the all 2020 or all 22, the throws he's making are insane, This is like, these are not lucky throws. They're repeated. They're accurate. They're consistent. He's making the right reads. He's making the right adjustments at the line. It's. And it's not just. What the fuck is happening? (laughs) What the fuck is happening?
2: And it's not just (gasps) the physical throws. Like, Drew Locke dropped that touchdown in the preseason in a game that he threw, like, that last game when he threw, like, four picks and everything. Like, Drew Locke obviously has unbelievable arm talent, right? But, like, the throws that Gino is seeing, uh, and then that he is making, like the actual throw itself, that combination is unbelievable right now. Like it, it's insane. Mm-hmm. I mean, the first that... throw to Tyler Lockett at the end of the first half.
1: That's oh my god! god had I had an unreal, orgasm, and then mm-hmm. he did it again to Tyler Lockett. <laughs> <laughs> it was like the same play. It was like, oh, you can't do that. Twice. Talk about
3: explosive finishes <laughs> <Did that> twice. <laughs>
1: I mean, Dana, what was going on in the stadium yeah. 20 seconds? It's like, that was their, like, a, they went for a freaking touchdown. Everyone was looking for a field goal. It must've, it, it was amazing.
4: Yeah. And there was, I remember this one woman, she was just like, stood up and she was like, Oh my God. And she's like running up and down the thing and high five everyone, like I said, they're just happy you're there. But, um, it, it was just in that end zone was right in front of us. And so it, it just was so much fun. It was just so fun to watch. And and everyone, you just kept hearing, did Gino threw that damn ball? And I did hear a lot of, he threw that better than Russ. And I'm not here to dog Russell with him. But he was like, you get that feeling. Here, Here's the thing with Gino. I think that the expectation for him to fail is so high. It's hard to get over that. For the media, you hear the media talking about all the time. They're like, where the hell did this guy come from? And so I, I think that's our problem, is we're hesitant because we remember Tino with the Jets. But we have to remember that the Jets were a horrid, awful team with no talent. And so I think that we have to remember that he has pieces around him that will help him to continue to succeed. And and, and so we have to kind of get over ourselves, right? Like we have to really kind of get over ourselves.
1: It's so true. And he, one of the things I think, some people may not have heard, but he gave a lot of credit for his time behind Philip Rivers as the the key time when he learned how to read defenses pre-snap. That's where he credits it to. And Philip Rivers was not a huge arm talent guy. Like that guy just, and there's throws he made that looked like he was shot putting it, right? But he knew, like how many times did he drive us crazy with the LOB where it was like, he just got the ball to the place where there was going to be a weakness in the defense and moved him along and moved him along and then made some big throws. And and so like, anyway, I, I think it's crazy. Let's move on a little bit because I honestly, I could spend the whole pod talking about Geno Smith. I think it's like one of the most, I think it is a Kurt Warner level crazy story in a different way. It's not coming from being a busboy or whatever, like a bagger at a grocery store or whatever, but. I don't think I've ever seen anything like what's happening with Geno Smith in the NFL. 8 years of being nobody and being like an afterthought to being like one of the Rich, best play Rich Gannon's the only one, right? Mm.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Tell me about I don't remember Rich Gannon being considered like awful.
2: No, but he was like a long time backup, right? The other one, uh that's Steve maybe young
1: like, a little bit. Where I was gonna say,
2: like, if we want to get really crazy, like how different is it than Steve Young?
1: A little bit. That was like, like he was in Tampa, right? Yeah, yeah. And and, and yeah, I don't know. It's it made the season fun.
2: Welcome different. back, Evan. We've declared Gina Smith as the next Steve Young.
1: They have actually. <laughs> that would be so weird considering that was the player I chose Russell Wilson as my comparison for before his first game as a Seahawk uh, was Steve Young. I was like, he's the next Steve Young. Mm-hmm. It's say, ten years.
3: I'm just, <laughs> I love that we're in this situation. I also am kind of irritated but it's a good it's a good irritation it's a good (laughs) irritation okay i i just i i we've talked about this there's a there's an ideal most efficient way of winning a super bowl is taking advantage of a quarterback on a rookie contract we all know that yes it's a risk yes i understand there's bus but i had really solidified in my mind that that's like what we were gonna do and 2023 was drafting a quarterback high and Maybe they still do the still do that, but Geno Smith playing at this level is just an insane wild card, and I think it'd be a totally different discussion if he was playing even at like a top ten level, even at top fifteen level. It'd be a totally different discussion. Yeah. But it's literally like if this defense, as Nathan suggested, if this defense was anything close to average, this team is probably five and zero. They're probably five and zero. And we're legitimately talking about Geo Smith as an MVP leader. And we're talking about this team going to the Super Bowl. Uh,
1: so that, that actually triggers something I wanted to talk to you all about. So I think the reason, at least I, I've identified this for me, but I want to know for all of you part of the reason I've thought about like rookie QB contract is ideal is because it gives you the longest possible window to potentially have your money elsewhere and have the longest potential window to win that super bowl. It also gives you the biggest chance to have like a dynasty to win multiple super bowls over, you know, a few years. That's what we had. Like we had the ideal scenario with the LOB era, right? Like we all know that, but that's not the only way. Like the other way is that you like, you could call it like the Rams way. Like they went up and they're coming friggin' down. Right. But they want a ring. And so like, you could argue like the best chance for the Seahawks, like, I think it's almost hard to argue that the best chance if you want the Seahawks to win another Super Bowl would be to have Gino play at this level would be to sign him and to spend the first four picks on either defensive players or and or another offensive lineman period. And you you run and you just like you compliment around that and maybe you win one more ring and then you have to restart again, but like we waited like 30 years to win a ring or 40 years or whatever it was like, do you guys really like, would that be abhorrent to like just win one ring in the next few years, as opposed to having like a three or four year run? Cause that's the difference we're talking about.
4: I I'm fine
3: with
1: that. Honestly, I'm fine so with that. Broken. My brain is I so broken. He's forever.
3: He had I, a
4: situation I, planned out. I had a plan in my brain
3: and I was buying into it.
4: <sighs> I love it. I love it. Do you guys remember how boring we thought this season was going to be? Mm-mm-mm. No, thank you. That. No, it has been a blast.
1: It is not that. Um, How cute was it that the Seahawks put the two rookie tackles up there for a press conference today? <gasps>
0: Those poor guys are like business. I didn't see know. that. I didn't.
1: <laughs> Abe, and, Abe and Charles are up there, like, standing next to each other, all, like, shy and answering questions. That, it was precious. I mean, has there – where does this draft rank for you guys right now relative to other drafts that the Seahawks have made? And, and Dana, I'm going to start with you because the rest of us have been so chattery. But um,
4: <laughs> Nathan's hardly said anything. I know it's
1: true. No, but like, (laughs) where does this rank relative to the 2010, 2011, 2012 drafts? I think it has to be in that conversation.
4: I think so, but I don't think we can know yet. I mean, we have to look for some durability. We have to see a little more, some more steps out of those the rookies in the secondary. I, I think right now the trajectory is is right up there with some of those those better drafts, the you know, twelve draft and the ten draft. But I, I don't. I hate to jump the gun on them too much, but I will tell you from what I've seen in a little five because it's just been five weeks, you guys. So this little five week window that we've had, um, I, I I see them especially those tackles being probably two of the most important picks that we've had in a decade, not including 12. So since 12.
1: Nathan, where do you, where do you think this is looking like it's going to end up? <laughs>
2: I mean, we're, we're getting way ahead of ourselves in the Gino thing and uh, we haven't even gotten uh, into how treat Woolen is on track to be uh, an all pro corner as a rookie. So, <laughs> I mean, I think Mafé, people are weirdly high on him. I I don't quite get it. I think he's going to end up being a whiff. um, And everyone knows how I feel about the Walker pick. But it looks like they have, (laughs) it looks like they've got, you know, uh, at least for the rest of their rookie contracts, their starters at tackle and potentially a Pro Bowl or even better corner um who is just a freak and has you know his his potential is still so much higher so um yeah i think uh i think this is an a plus draft
1: yeah i mean i don't know i i love tariq woolen i mean i know i'm unique in that but three picks in three games
4: i don't think you're unique in that i think <laughs> sarcasm joking, but... like okay. yeah
1: three picks in three games 100% man He's, he's the second coming of Richard Sherman. A forty passer rating to like opposing QBs, like, and and he's the best athlete, maybe ever, to play the position. Like he's at least in the conversation.
2: Like, on a team with DK Metcalf, he might be the best athlete on the team. Like that's insane. <laughs> it's
1: crazy. It's crazy. And and like, I when I was doing stats this past Sunday. He's doing things that haven't been done since Champ Bailey in 1999. He's doing things. He has three interceptions this year. The Seahawks cornerback season leader for franchise history is Brandon Browner with six in a season. Richard Sherman's second with four. He's got three, like in five games. This is insane. So like pretty soon people are gonna stop throwing at him and that's gonna mean they're gonna look elsewhere. I'm really curious what the Seahawks are gonna do. Like Artie Burns is back. He actually played last week and played reasonably well. They tried Sidney Jones. I think they've like, they're trying Sidney Jones, they're trying Artie Burns. Mike Jackson still keeps getting a a bunch of play. I am curious. We haven't heard anything about Trey Brown. Like they said, but like I'm I'm, I'm a little worried we're just not gonna see him this year. I don't know, like has anyone heard anything that I've missed on this topic? like Pete a few weeks ago gave his normal yeah he's progressing we'll have more in a few weeks kind of thing which to me was like he's talking about LJ Collier already being back and he's talking about Alton Robinson but he's not giving any time frame on Trey Brown so that has me concerned
4: how long can but, he stay out is it just 6 weeks before they have to make it I a think decision? it's
1: 4 right oh, wait no he has to be out that many weeks for four, but I four,
2: think by is not
4: it by six they have to make. It's like know, at week remember.
2: six they have to make the decision, and then they have like two more weeks before they have to activate them or something like that. Okay, a little bit later
1: in the season, but but in any event, yeah, like we'll find out soon on him. Um, I know. Do we have patron questions? We should. We do. Uh, yeah, let's take some patron questions. No thanks
2: to some folks uh on the Hawk talk crew. <laughs> um uh,
1: while nathan's going to pull those up i'll just say please give the show a like if you haven't already appreciate people being here click subscribe and go to patreon.com slash hawk sign up right now you get immediate access to the slack channel you get to ask questions that we will then answer each week so go ahead hit us up mr nathan
2: <laughs> all right brandy wants to know uh and dana i'm going to toss this one to you because it is a Bruce question uh, with Bruce back in the fold, who will the Seahawks play in the Super Bowl?
3: <laughs> I love
4: that so much. I know you guys were like making fun of bringing Bruce back. It makes me so happy. I can't even tell you why it makes me so happy. I just love Bruce Irvin's energy. I love everything about him. And, and, and will he come in and make a huge impact? No, but I don't think that's why he's there. And we talked about this a little bit. I think he's there to coach these kids up a little bit. I think they brought him in to show them how to play the position what is the Seahawk way to play the position and Bruce loves everything Seattle and so I just think he's so happy there but if we're going to play someone I I keep saying that the Bills are going to win the Super Bowl this year so I guess it would end up having to be the Super Bowl the Bills and we would lose but that's fine
2: <laughs> god can't, oh god could you imagine how many points that Bills offense would score against this oh my Miller? god oh my
3: goodness <laughs>
2: Oh my <laughs> Thank god! Thank God we don't
3: I, have to play. Set 100. an NFL record. It'd
2: be like
4: eighty-two. It's gonna something. be bad enough playing the Chiefs. Holy cow!
2: Oh, oh my god! I completely um, forgot about that.
4: Christmas Eve, people. Merry Christmas.
2: Um. Okay, Jen Mazzarolo. I hope I said her last name right. Um. asks Do we see them ever playing Kobe at outside cornerback? Um. And why does Pete play guys out of their position? I don't think we will ever see Kobe (laughs) outside of, or outside quarterback or cornerback. Well, I say that, I guess I don't know why they wouldn't give him a shot over uh, Mike Jackson. Um, I don't think he's done anything to really lock it down, but I imagine at this point that they want to just keep him at one thing as a rookie and learn there. Um, Brian, do you think he's playing out of position? I I thought he was always kind of slated as a a nickel guy.
1: No, he actually started in training camp outside and they, Hmm. it was, it was a couple, like a week or two in that they moved him in and then gave him some run in preseason games and then kept him there. Justin Coleman's supposedly back this week. Oh God. Like he was so bad. I really am hoping he's not going to get put back in Kobe Bryant's forced two turnovers in two weeks. I know that like, I know people, he's not like the best, like so far, but I'm still bullish on Kobe Bryant I, like he's playing to me more like what a promising rookie cornerback should look like some plays where you're like oh God and some plays where you're like oh cool so I don't see anything that's like super alarming about Kobe Bryant yet but uh if Trey Brown was around I would be wanting to see him get some some reps in there and I definitely would rather see some reps from Artie Burns or Sidney Jones over Mike Jackson um
2: personally but we will see yeah, and she also asks, will this hurt Kobe? I doubt it. I mean, I think the benefit of getting on the field and playing NFL snaps is probably going to outweigh any anything else. Um, all right, Dana, I'm coming back to you. Because uh, Jen also wants to know, did you watch Sherman Marshawn's podcast today? Thoughts? I'm not getting into now, this fight with I just in. want to say, we talked about this in the group chat, and it was a very calm and reasonable conversation. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no. And... I said, I bet Sherm and Marshawn said, wow, 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 petty, petty. And Dana said, no, they did not say wow, wow, wow. But Dana, I went and listened to the podcast. Uh, Dude, I'm they so proud of you right say, now. But they did they say wow, wow, wow. Yes, they, they did. They, did. they were talking didn't. about, the, go look, uh, go, yep. watch the watched- go watch the tape, go watch the tape. You'll see that when they discuss the Super Bowl loss, they both go on for a few seconds both of them saying wow wow wow. So in fact it was wow wow wow. Oh but my god. It, it how wasn't. much petty, was, petty a, was there?
4: It it wasn't. It was a fantastic interview. I but I adore Marshawn Lynch and I watch everything that he does and I know that Sherm can be a little snarky, okay? I get that. But I loved that interview and I don't think that they I thought they were very complimentary to both um, Pete, <laughs> even though they said he's going to die on a football field, I don't know what that was all about, <laughs> but, um, and then, um, and, and I thought that, to be honest with you, I mean, they didn't go after Russ the way they could have, it could have been nasty, and they didn't do it, and in fact, Marshawn then said he had some concern for him, but I love the fact that they all said none of them had their his phone number, they weren't allowed to have his direct number, I thought that was a little strange, but, um, so no, yes, we did get into quite the argument, because Nathan was being grumpy
3: Wait, about that they don't have <laughs> his direct phone number
4: Mm-mm. no no Uh marshawn said he wasn't gonna he wanted to call and check on him but he will only call if he can talk to the man himself and sherman goes yeah you have to talk through his manager
3: josh has his direct phone number hey now. <laughs> well,
4: yeah <laughs> i'm hey just now. saying yeah <laughs> Yeah, it's a little strange so anyway I liked the art I, I liked it I liked that um that I liked the camaraderie that really felt kind of good between the two of them um yeah so Nathan didn't like it I did there's your answer <laughs> no
2: okay first of all
4: <laughs> I'm so glad you actually watched it though because you swear were like, to right.
2: God Dana <laughs> no. <laughs> um no no so I did go back and watch it um mm-hmm. and I will say I've watched several things with Marshawn in it and it's always he's just entertaining to watch right i think this was probably my favorite thing that i've ever like sat and listened to him or because he was extremely open and real about a couple of different topics so it was actually really cool i would highly recommend it
4: how crazy that he goes and puts pads on play high school football
2: well yes yeah, so that, that? That, that, that whole bit was very funny but then the whole thing yeah. that he was talking about that like um he was he noticed that like he had to find some way to get his competitive mm-hmm. juices out because it was he, he wasn't handling he was it yeah, yeah 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 and so that's part of why I, I thought it was yeah. fascinating um yeah, but good. and also just cool to hear him open up and talk about stuff like that mm-hmm. um evan amani wants to know how concerned are we with metcalf's continued drops and fumbles this far into his career especially with the talk of his leadership going into the season who holds dk accountable
3: I, it's kind of at the point for me where this is just kind of what you get with him, and I'm not sure it's ever going to change, to be honest with you. Uh, and it's Pete Carroll that needs to hold him
1: accountable. God
2: damn it. Uh, That's probably fair, though, right? Uh, that wasn't
1: a joke. Is Pete Carroll not the one to know, hold him accountable? It's just the way your brain works, and it's it's warped in so many ways. But but
3: wait, what's the correct answer?
1: You think it's Gino? Pete Carroll's fault that DK Metcalf? Has trouble catching the ball?
3: Not his fault, but
1: it's his responsibility to hold him accountable. Ah. Okay. Um, so I was going to ask you, though, do you, do you see no difference between DK Metcalf's um, drops this year and in previous years? No no change for the better or worse? I really haven't thought about it too much, honestly. What's, what's I the data show? I, I feel like it's been significantly better this year. Hmm. I've seen him make way more contested catches than he's made in past years. He seems to be securing the ball on the, not, not, not from a fumble perspective, but just in terms of like, when the ball's hitting his hands, it's, it's secure much more quickly than we've seen in the past. It's not as much like a hitting rocks and bouncing around. Like I thought that drop in the end zone was an aberration. It was also a tough play. Like I know he should have caught it. But Gino gunned that one in there, and DK was laid out to try to catch it with someone hanging on him. So I don't think it was like – this wasn't Jamal Adams or Josh Jones dropping, like, a ball right in their stomach kind of thing. Like, so – and I still don't think that was a fumble for what it's worth. I, I like, I think his elbow was down pretty clearly, but whatever. So I don't think it's been as much of an issue. That's my main point.
2: Um – Brian, I'll go back to you. Uh, Jay Brandt wants to know, um, we're all loving Gino and what he's been doing, obviously. Um, my question regards how we feel about Shane Waldron. How does the start of the season change our perception of his offense? Seems to me he deserves a lot of credit. Um, you've been somewhat skeptical of Waldron, I think it's fair to say. Uh, how are you feeling about Waldron at this point? Yeah, I mean...
1: I think that the, for the, the, the quick answer is great. I mean, I think that he's found a quarterback, uh, personnel like situation that just works for him. He's got tight ends that he seems to like feel comfortable involving. Um, And I think I've said this before, but I think one of the, one of the things that Waldron gets credit for that people might not think about is Andy Dickerson. Like, I think the offensive line has been playing well beyond their talent level on the, like, I think Austin Blythe is like a really mediocre to below average player at the center position and they've done pretty well, like overall. So I think they're a combined package and how can you have anything but good things to say about what is the number one offense in the NFL right now from a DVOA perspective? Like, it would sound pretty silly to be critical.
2: Um, Dana, I think this last question from Katie uh, is for you. Uh, Rashad Penny's injury is obviously a huge blow. How confident are you in Kenneth Walker's ability to step into that role? Uh, And with Travis Homer on IR, how concerned are you about the depth with this group?
4: Nathan, I think that question is for you, sir. We know how much you love the running backs. Well,
2: now, I was going to take the last <laughs> bit of it. So I'll let you okay. run with the first few.
4: Um, Homer comes back in a couple of weeks, right? It was just four weeks that he was going to be off. I think that Pete said something about Homer coming back um, as soon as he was able to under IR. So that that's encouraging. Um, I, I actually... I I kind of, I I like Kenneth Walker. I think that the more he runs, the more we'll see from him. Um, I don't know how much explosion we would have gotten out of him or growth would have gotten out of him if he was constantly sitting behind Penny. So this is good for, for Kenneth Walker. It's, it's horrid for Rashad Penny. I, I was heartbroken when that happened. And the funny thing is I didn't even realize that my husband had to text me at the game. He's like, so it's an ankle for Rashad Penny. I said, what do you mean? Is he out of the game? Because he was on the sideline and gone. Like what we didn't even really recognize it at the game. Um, I am a little worried about depth, um, but at the same time, um, I think they will be okay. I I think that the way Gino has been throwing the ball, I don't think there's quite the reliance on the run game that we thought there was maybe going to be at some point. Um, And I, I, I think as long as Homer comes back and can, can do those spells, I mean, we'll be okay. I mean, we can't forget about, you know, there, how many other running backs is
2: there any other besides dj dallas and they signed yeah Travis i mean uh, Jones, right?
4: yeah so someone i don't
1: know I, I've no, ask, I think it'll be okay i gotta ask Go a ahead. totally random tangent question to all of you sorry okay. this just i can't hold it any longer <laughs> Shane waldron question got me thinking if the seahawks end up number one offense in the nfl this year for the whole year and gino smith's the quarterback is shane waldron going to be a head coach somewhere next year
2: so this is the thing going back to it's like, who's going to be competing with uh, Seattle for Gino. So I if Shane that. Waldron goes to gets the yeah. Carolina head coach job, does he go and does he drop a ton of cash on Gino?
4: I have already seen a ton of tweets about this, about I that. Shane haven't easily.
1: Yeah. See, I thought I was original, but like, that's fat. Like, he's a Sean McVay disciple. So he are like, he kind of like was damaged by how things started but now could end up being a golden boy again. Uh, ugh, that would suck. That would suck. Uh,
2: I think the important thing here, though, is I, I agree with Dana. I'm also not concerned. Running backs are replaceable. Um, so uh, they're all the same. So, uh, But Katie does ask one last question here. Do you feel optimistic about the run game? We are not talking about Seattle's running game enough. They are unbelievably efficient and have been for going on like 13 weeks, if you go back to the last season, they are, uh, they have consistently been better than, uh, the average quarterbacks, EPA. Um, Rashad Penny is rivaling Aaron Rodgers in terms of, uh, EPA per play. So, uh, I think there's, uh, because of the fungibility of the running back position, I don't think there's any reason to not be optimistic about the run game going forward, continuing to be as awesome as it has been.
4: What does Evan always say? Clip it. Clip it. He said something nice about the run
1: game. Clip it. <laughs> he, he's flip it. He's trying to provoke you, Dana. And I know he is. The, and that's the reality. Fine. <laughs> the reality is Rashad Penny has shown that he is, he is different than other running backs when it comes to explosive plays. Like he, he is over he the talk- last year. Like there's no player that has even half as many 30 yard plus runs as he does like no other running back. And that's just over the last two years. Like when he's had enough plays on the field, it wasn't even like getting all the reps last year to the last few games. So.
4: And he was just on a one-year I mean, contract. Is that right?
1: I was going to yeah, say year, he probably year.
3: played the last game of
1: his career with the Seahawks. I
3: think.
4: I don't know that that's true actually.
3: With
1: really an injury. Probably
3: mm-hmm. not. Short yeah. Injury. I, think, short, I think he'll be back, like, sure.
2: If anything, I think this makes it more likely he comes back.
3: Me too. Mm-hmm. What if Kenneth Walker what? assumes like a big time role.
2: Would you still that want that type of money to a backup? I mean, he's making like three or four million this year, right? Maybe three five, and a half million? Five and a half. Yeah, five, five and a half. half. Okay. But still, yeah. like, yeah, I mean, he's, he's, he's always had these issues. I think they'll bring him back. But I don't know. I mean, you can say, hey, he's unique. No one can break off big runs like him. But Kenneth Walker played like a quarter and a half and broke off a 70-yard run. So
1: We will see. I hope. I hope that proves to be true. I really okay. do.
2: That is it for Patreon questions.
1: Awesome. Those are good ones. Thank you, everybody, for doing that. Patreon.com slash Hawk gets you in the door and we'd love to have you join. So let's talk about this week's game. Um, we've gone usually like an hour a show and we've actually already made our predictions by now. Now, I could have just made my prediction at the beginning and we could have signed off because I am now. Four for four, five for Thank five. You. How many games have we played <laughs> five for five? Yes, uh Dana. This drives Dana nuts because it Dana does drive me was, crazy. She was so <laughs> proud last year when she'd get it right, and and now I'm just on a streak. Um, yeah, but true. the Cardinals, folks, like I looked at them this today. I've been watching their scores. PFF does not like the Cardinals. DVOA Football Outsiders does not like the Cardinals. They're like ranked like between 23rd and 26th in offense, defense, and special teams. And on PFF, no, on DVOA. Okay. Gotcha. I think I have to double check on that, but like, uh, from PFF, they're like, they're like bottom of the barrel on a lot of things. So let me pull it up real quick. I had it over here. Arizona is, um, Yes. Sorry. Hold on. By the way, Seattle is... Oh, yes. um, They are 23rd offensive DVOA, 26th defensive, and 25th special teams. Hmm. They are the 26th ranked team by Football Outsiders. You know who's a top 10 team? You're Seattle Seahawks. That's a weird thing, right? They're a top 10 team. One of the weirdest things is that they are a uh, somehow fifteenth ranked special teams. I think the special teams for the Seahawks has been as bad as it's ever been. Like I don't know, I can't remember a time Michael Dixon fumbling, like choosing to try oh. to run, fumbling a punt. Tyler Lockett fumbling a punt in Detroit. Uh, fake punt by Detroit for a first down. Uh, missed field goal by Jason Myers. Missed extra point by Jason Myers. That's normal, but like penalties on punt returns like they have been doing everything they can to lose games and really putting pressure on a defense that's already pretty bad really really bad so the cardinals though are worse than i think people realize and so i'm kind of curious uh evan you're down there in the land of of of, uh, frost and fireball fireball shots like what's what's uh what's the word down there
3: yeah people are really um unimpressed with kyler murray i think the pr- most prevailing theme i'm hearing so far is already that contract was a mistake um, are they
1: unimpressed with him on the football field or on the call of duty
3: probably all of the above his war zone wins aren't very high very okay. very high for uh, criticism there but um there's a lot of people that didn't want to pay him there's a lot of people that are uh you know wondering why cliff kingsbury is still around um why their GM, I forget his name. I think it's Steve Kime. Steve yeah, Steve Kime is still around. Um, they're a very... I know DVOA and PFF has them more in like the bottom 10. I think uh, it's a little distorted by week one, getting absolutely destroyed by the Chiefs. Um, since then, they've kind of been trending a little bit better. I think they're a very middle of the pack team, to be honest with you. I think they're like the definition of mediocrity. I don't think they're as disastrous. I think, as people think and expected, including myself, by the way, um, they've got they've got several like ascending players, to be quite honest, um, particularly even on the defensive side of the ball. Um, Marcus Golden has been solid for them. Zach Allen at defensive end has been really an ascending uh, pass rusher for them. They're, they're not a complete disaster. Um, Seattle should beat them, though.
1: Uh, Nathan, I don't know if you've seen, but they are riddled with injury. Um, uh, even Matt Prater will not be kicking this week. Their kicker that they signed last week missed like a 43-yarder that would have tied Philadelphia last week at the end of the game, and so they lost 20-17. to 17. Um, They, I think Rodney Hudson, their center, is day-to-day, may not play almost their entire offensive line is on the injured list. Um, uh, James Connor, their running back is, is maybe not going to play. And they've signed, I think they signed Latavius Murray off of like the saints practice squad last week. I don't Mm -hmm. know what his status is, but they already don't have Deandre Hopkins, you know, still at this point. Um, So. Their offensive line, Brian, I will say is ranked like number
3: 13 by PFF in pass protection. They're, they're not disastrous in some areas,
4: but isn't Uh, their pass defense, the worst in the league?
3: uh, Yes. I believe, I I believe. Mm -hmm. Yes. I, or it's like,
1: yes. It is is dead last. It is (laughs) is worse than (laughs) the Seahawks. Their pass rush uh, is 30th. Like the Seahawks pass rush mm-hmm. from PFF is twenty sixth, which is like for
2: for. And maybe this should be a cautionary tale with how excited we get about Geno. But for as awful and horrible and no good and bad as the Seahawks defense has been, they they are now they will now have played two teams with defense with a defense that's worse than Seattle's defense, the Lions and and this Cardinals defense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and at the time the Falcons defense was was worse. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's in the
1: conversation. It's not now mm-hmm. <laughs> Lost some ground. So yeah, I mean, Nathan, like, how are you, how are you like with what we know about the Seahawks and what we know about the Cardinals, how are you thinking about this game? Like what comes to mind is like how this game's going to play out.
2: I, uh, I am pretty, I, I know that Kyler, uh, you know, there's He's divisive, let's say. Um, and you know, Cliff is not always, uh, doesn't always inspire a lot of confidence. But uh, Kyler against this defense and Rondale Moore against this defense, like we just saw Taysom Hill like score, like, what, how many touchdowns? Four touchdowns, (laughs) he scored three himself and three for one, and on probably like 15 plays, right? Mm -hmm. Um, so I I don't have any I I won't believe that any game won't what will look different than either the Lions game. uh you know, Jared, they got shut out the next week right, the Lions team uh, <laughs> So you know th- this defense can make anyone look good and make it tough, but I mean, I, we just talked a lot about Gino earlier. So I think that this will be a shootout and it's just going to be probably a toss up and some lucky calls or fumbles or whatever that go one way or the other that decide it.
1: Where are you at on this, Dana? And then I'm going to ask you all for predictions.
4: Um, Here's the thing with Arizona. I think that the preseason hype was huge. And I don't know if that just surrounded the contract that Kyler Murray Murray got or if that came from some genuine feeling that they were going to have some big, huge switch, but it didn't happen. And with that fan base, I mean, I think they've been calling for Cliff's head for a while now especially at the, after the end of last season, when now with his contract, he's, he's not going anywhere this year for sure. Um, there's been some speculation, um, in some articles I've read where they're like, would Vance Joseph be a better head coach for this team than Cliff Kingsbury. So I know that there's some discontent there and I don't know if it goes into the players too, or if it's just in the fan base, but there's definitely some discontent there. The interesting thing is that Kyler Murray has really just proven to be mediocre this year. He's just really kind of been a middle of the road. You know, he has what 1200 yards. He has six touchdowns and three interceptions. I mean, it's just kind of interesting the way that he has been playing. Now, if you you talk about the line, the line is good, then why is it Kyler not better? And I think that he just makes some boneheaded decisions when you watch him play. And, and the, the whole team the last weekend was like the perfect example of that. So I think there's a little faith in this Cardinals team. They can pull it out. I mean, they pulled it out against the Raiders team, which it has some questionable moments in it too, but I just don't think that there's a lot of confidence behind Arizona. Um, And for a lot of people, they were saying, no, they're going to be dead last in this division, which we, I laughed at. I'm like, you you realize what, how our teams put together this year, right? But I I kind of, am understanding that now, um, you know, JJ Watt is not the player that he used to be. They still don't have Hopkins. And I don't know how, I mean, he'll make an impact when he comes back, but I don't know that it's going to save this team this year. So um, while I think that they'll end up, a middle of the road team, I think that's all they are, is just a middle of the road team. And so um, I think Gino can outduel Kyler Kyler Murray. If, if the defense can even come up, They, I know that everyone hates or loves to bag on them right now, but there is little improvements. We are seeing small improvements in this defense. And if they can just keep, if they can just improve just even a little bit more, stop one or two of those runs where he takes off, um, then I think that Gino definitely has it in him to beat this team.
1: Right. I will buy, I will buy mm-hmm. uh, a full meal for any of you that can name the running back that got the second most snaps for the Cardinals last week against the Eagles. Do not look it up.
2: You know Benjamin?
1: God damn it. How'd you know that?
2: Because he's better <laughs> than James fucking Connor.
1: How'd you know that so fast? because i like you know benjamin and he it's a
2: crime them. that he is not mm-hmm. this is a, a rare situation where a running back matters and it's eno and he should be starting oh. over james connor
1: oh my god i love nathan is a closet running of back collector. he like has <laughs> he has all the little running back figurines in his closet and he like like positions over. them and he's got mm-hmm. all the stats for him and <laughs> then he just like he tries to throw us off his, his trail with all this negative running back commentary. <laughs> oh, uh, I owe you a dinner. I'm happy to do it. <laughs> That is crazy. I've, like, never heard of, you know, Benjamin. I will admit it. I was like, who the hell? That's yeah, is- the
3: first time I've heard that name. Was, like,
1: <laughs> uh, but, yeah, here's the thing. Like, I start looking at this team, the Cardinals, and I start thinking about the Seahawks. And, and the defense is bad. We, we know that. It's really bad. Hollywood Brown's their receiver right now. He's like their only receiver. A.J. Green is doing nothing this year. Rondell Moore really is not doing much either. And I think that Marquise Brown against Tariq Woolen is a pretty, like, I'd like to see that. I, I would feel pretty good about that. I'm, I'm assuming they'll try to move him around. I think Zach Ertz against our linebackers is the bigger thing that I'm concerned about. And then if they have a halfback, maybe it's Eno Benjamin in a screen game those are the things to worry about the thing with kyler murray everyone's talking about his passing he's averaging like four and a half yards per carry this year this guy is like a like one of the things that's always been amazing with kyler is like when he decides to run that guy has got like jitterbug feet i mean he just looks like a video game cheat code out there and it seems like that's not happening this year for whatever reason so in any event um I don't th- I think this is the worst offense that the Seahawks will have played this year. Outside of maybe the Broncos. Um uh, the Broncos played pretty well the first game, but like in general, I think this is the worst offense. The
3: Lions were missing a lot of pieces.
1: Like yeah, like, yeah. like five I've of
3: been- I know they killed us, but they were missing like six starters.
1: As far as personnel, it's possible but in terms of like production that's just not the case. The the Lions were one of the top offenses in the NFL and had done it against decent defenses as well coming into that game. So um I don't think you can make that case really. Uh this offense for the Cardinals is like it's not good. It's not good. So I will I will tell you my prediction in a second. Um but I'd like to start with with Dana um, what is your predicted score here?
4: Well, I'm looking at what they've scored so far this year. And they, they, they average, I mean, 20 ish points, 21 against the chiefs, 29 against the Raiders, 12 against the Rams, um, 26 against the Panthers, which are the Panthers. Hello. And then only 17 against the Cardinals. So they're just not a high, they're not super high scoring. So, um, I think to be a little conservative, I think if the Seahawks win this game, I'm going to say 27-17.
1: I like it. Nathan.
2: 52-27 Seahawks.
4: <gasps> Wait, what did you just say?
2: 52-27 Seahawks.
3: 52-27 Cardinals. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> you know what the Cardinals do to the Seahawks in Seattle.
2: It's all different now. Gino has changed. No, everything. it's not. Nope. No, the mojo it's... is new. 52,
3: 27.
2: This, this is not Russell Wilson's team. This is not Pete Carroll's team. This is the Seattle Geno Hawks.
3: All right, fine. 52, uh, 38 Cardinals. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay. Give him a little bit more. I mean, look, we can laugh. Uh, at Nathan, but the Seahawks have scored 48 and then 32 points, and likely could have easily had more. They had touchdown called back from DK. They had a drop touchdown, like easily, easily could have been in the 40s again. I uh, could laugh at Evan. The Seahawks gave up 45 points and 39 points in back-to-back weeks. Um, <clears throat> totally reasonable to to think that mm-hmm. they could do it again. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, I think this is the worst team that the Seahawks have played from a combined perspective—offense, defense, special teams—all year. Um, and that I think that even the Falcons, as much as like I just thought that was an atrocious team, I think that they have some—they had something on offense at that point uh, with Cordell Patterson and the way that they were playing. Uh, I think Drake London, a, a few folks, that they I think they had some stuff going on. I don't see that on this team for the Cardinals. And I don't see defensively, I think that they have, this is the worst pass rush from an edge perspective they're gonna see. The Seahawks offensive tackles have been, they played damn well against Cam Jordan and uh, Davenport last week. This is not even close to those two. Um, So I think Gino's gonna have time. I think that, um, I think DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett are gonna have a lot of opportunities and i think the seahawks win this game like 37 to 21 um this week so uh i hope that turns out to be true for folks that are planning to attend this game i am one of them be aware game time is changeable so if the mariners manage to not blow a clear victory over the houston astros and they win a game between now and Saturday, this game will start at 2:30 on Sunday. If the Mariners cannot recover from the disaster that was the other night, this game will start at one o'clock. So um, beware, this game will shift around. Uh, I will be at it, so I will not be able to host the post-game show. We'll find out if Nathan uh, is able to, um, and if so, then we'll we'll do that. Otherwise, just want to thank everybody for tuning in tonight. Please uh go over to click the like button. We got 54 likes. Come on, folks. That should be well over hundred by now. Uh you're all lazy. No, I mean we love you. Sorry. Uh just just click that like button. Uh patreon.com slash hawk blogger. Sign up, get immediate access to the Slack channel, and we'll see you for the conversation that continues over there. And give us a, a five-star review on wherever you listen to your podcast. Would greatly appreciate it. Um, so have a terrific rest of your night and good night to you Dana and you Nathan and Evan, wherever he went.